This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, what I want to talk to you about, it's a topic we have talked about before, uh, and I think Dan Lopila uh, had had him share at the beginning of this year, and he talked a little bit about this topic about peace. What I want to talk about again is peace in troubled times. And I think we understand a little bit about troubled times, do we not? We understand what's been going on with this virus and we see states doing better and then they're, they're doing worse and then they're doing better. And there's just all kinds of crazy things we're learning. We never understood what in the world social distancing meant, did we? You know, and uh, along with this virus deal, we've, we've had all the other troubles that we had before the virus, you know. So uh, I just want to talk a few passages uh, to you today about peace in troubled times. So I'd like to, to look at a verse, and it's, it's very relevant. You, you, you might go, what are you talking about that for? Well, because it's very, very relevant. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, it says, But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Have you ever had a, a thief come into your home or your car or your locker? Have you ever been exposed to a thief? Do they call or send a note and ask for the permission to come into your house and let you know what time and date? Please leave it unlocked. No. And it says here, The day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly. You don't expect it. As unexpectedly as a thief. The day of the Lord, when he comes back and takes us all home. There's crazy things going on around the world right now to a dimension we ain't never dreamed about before. Not just this virus. All kinds of crazy things, you know. Well, let me read again. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and everything in them will disappear in fire. And the, <clears throat> and the earth and everything on it will be exposed to judgment. Since everything around us is going to melt away, since everything around us is going to melt away, what holy, godly lives should Lives you should be living. Should we be living godly lives if maybe tomorrow we're going to see Jesus face to face? We surely, surely should. A Christ-like, God-like life. And the time is surely getting closer than it was. It says in verse 12, you should look forward to that day, to the day that Christ comes back. And when he talks about the earth's going to be destroyed in a fire and we're going home, you know. He says, you should look forward to that day and hurry it along. The day when God will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth. He has promised a world where everyone is right with God. I'm going to tell you, there's something a whole lot better than what we're experiencing here. Some have already experienced that. 
you know, some of our loved ones, they've already experienced that. But we haven't yet, and we can only imagine what it's like. But then in four, verse 14, it says, And so, dear friends, while, and so, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort. Now, what is percentage is every? 100%. I'm glad you didn't forget about that, okay? <laughs> One of you guys sent me a shirt. It says 100% on it. It's awesome. And so, dear friends, while we're, you're waiting for these things to happen that we just read about, the day of the Lord, make every, every effort, 100% effort, to live a pure and a blameless life and be at peace with God. I'm talking about peace in troubled times. And here's where it starts at. Being at peace with God. That's a great thought. But how can we be at peace with God? That's where it starts at. And it says in Romans chapter 4 verse 20, Abraham never wafered in believing God's promise. Man, he just believed what God said. Just, he just believed it. He took a hook, line, and sinker. He just, just believed what God said. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. Now, here's a question I'm going to ask you for real. Oh, I can't come past this thing, can I? Oh, man, that's like a dog having a chain on it. Man, oh, wow. Now, what was I talking about now? Has your faith grown stronger through these difficult times? You know, you pray more, you get a hold of God more, you see the prayers answered more. We have seen prayers answered unbelievable, but they are believable. But it's just like, you know what? God's been on the move for the last four months. He's been on the move and he ain't planning on giving up anytime soon. He really isn't. But it says here, in fact, Abraham's faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. Abraham, verse 21, he was absolutely convinced, that's 100% convinced, he was absolutely convinced that God was able to do 100% anything that he promised. Are you convinced that God's able to do anything he's promised? Get that book out Begin to read that book. The promises of God are relevant to a day when there's a coronavirus that's been let loose on this planet. It, it, I'm telling you, faith and the promises of Almighty God work for us in the most difficult of times and wars and rumors of wars and who knows what else is out there. But the promises of God are 100% faithful even still. Verse 22 goes on to say, and because of Abraham's faith, God declared him to be righteous. God declared him because Abraham, what he believed, God declared, Abraham, you're right in your relationship with me. Not because you did so wonderful or so good. It's just because you believe what I said and you've acted upon what I've told you. And because of Abraham's faith, God declared him to be righteous. The key to righteousness is faith. Verse 23, it says... Now this wonderful truth that God declared him to be righteous wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. This is a good part here. It was for us too. You and I to be right with God is by faith. It's not because of all the stuff that we've tried to do for him. 
And it was for us too. The same promise that was to Abraham is the same promises to us. Yes. Assuring us that God will also declare us to be righteous if we believe. If we believe in God. If we believe in him, he declares us to be right with him also. Who brought Jesus, our Lord, back from the dead? That's the Father. He was handed over to die because of our sins. Now, how would you feel if, if you had made some bad decisions and some people had a wreck and died because of, because of decisions you made? How would you feel about that? It's because of you, they were in terrible accident. Well, Jesus' terrible event was because of us. It was. It wasn't an accident, though. It was on purpose. 100% on purpose. And he was handed over to die because of our sins. Because what you and I did, he was handed over to die. And, and, and we can't just kind of have, well, so what? No. He was handed over to die on the cross because of you. Because of me personally. He was handed over to die. And he was raised from the dead to make us right with God. If we believe, that's all, if we believe. And he did it so willingly because he knew a lot of us would believe and we would be forgiven. Isaiah 53, this is where it was prophesied at. Isaiah 53 verse 3 says, he was despised. Jesus was despised. It was prophesied before it ever happened. He was despised. Jesus was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrows. And he was acquainted with the bitterest kinds of grief. Man, he was beaten unmercifully. You ever watch the movie, The Passion? Check it out. That's the most biblical rendition of what happened to Christ before he was nailed to the cross that I can ever imagine. It's biblical. And he says, a man of sorrow is acquainted with, acquainted with bitterest grief and we turned our backs on him and we looked the other way when he went by. He was despised and we did not care I don't care what Jesus went through. I'm busy enjoying life. I want to go to the beach. I want to improve my business. I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want grandkids. I want to, you know, that's what he says. There are people who will say that. Well, he was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our, it was mine, it was my weaknesses that he carried. It was our, it was my sorrows that weighed him down. And, and we thought his trouble, him going to the cross and being beaten, we thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins. <laughs> but he ain't never sinned. It was my sins that sent Jesus to the cross. But he was wounded. Jesus was wounded. He was beaten terribly before he went to... He was wounded and he was crushed for my sins, for your sins. And he was beaten that we might have... What does that say? Jesus was beaten so you and I could have peace and... So many people are hungry for peace. They don't have peace and they're saying, just pray that I have some peace. And there's just turmoil on, in their life. And the Bible says that Jesus, he was beaten that you and me can have peace. Wholeness, that calmness, that serenity, that tranquility, that silence, that quiet in this world. Where, where there's no more chaos just running around and around in our minds and in our hearts. He says here he was beaten that we might have peace. And I'm talking about this day, peace in troubled times. 
Jesus went through everything he went through so you and me can have peace, even during times of a coronavirus, that we can have peace in the midst of it. And he was whipped and we were healed. He paid for our healing so we can pray for one another when we're sick and off because he was beaten so terribly. Anyhow, picking up in verse 6, it says, and all of us, that's 100%, no one's left out of this equation here. All of us have strayed away, like she, we, we've all strayed away and we thought something we shouldn't have thought, did something we shouldn't have did, didn't do something we should have done, you know. He says, and all of us have strayed away like sheep. We've left God's path to follow our own. At, at some point in times in our life, we, we've done that, you know. D does that describe some point of your life, you know? He tells us here in Proverbs 14, 12, he says, there is a way that seems, the word seems means it appears to be, you know, it looks as if there is a way that seems, it appears right to a man. It appears that way, but its end is the way of death. There's a lot of paths that the devil tries to get us to go down. A lot of TV programs the devil tries to get us to watch. A lot of things on the computer that the devil tries to get us to pursue that are a path that leads to destruction. It's not good stuff. He, he's always doing that. There's a way that seems right. It seems, it, well, it appears to be okay. But it ends in the way of death. Picking it back up here at verse six here, uh, he says, yes, the Lord laid on him, Jesus, the Lord laid on him the guilt and sin of us all, 100% of us. All the sins that you have ever committed all the sins I've ever committed, all those things has been laid on Jesus so you and I can have peace. He took it so you and I could still have peace in these most difficult of all times. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Because of faith, belief in that what he did was for us really believing it he says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. He paid for our sins on the cross, willingly. And you'll never hear him fussing and groaning and, you know, other people, well, you see what I did for you? You'll never see God do it that way. His heart breaks for us and he loves us and I... Sure, many times if you could see him, you'd see tears in his eyes just because his heart's just broken so much for us to come home to him because he loves us. We're his kids. He loves us so very, very, very much. Uh, D.L. Moody said a great many people are trying to make peace, but that has already been done. God has not left it for us to do. All we have to do is enter into it. By faith, by belief in it. That's all we got to do is just step into it. Just, okay, thank you. I receive it. That's all. You, you, you can't earn it. No, no way. Christ is our great, as the Bible says, he's our peacemaker. And he's also the prince of peace. And our trouble is, is that we want the peace without the prince. 
He's the Prince of Peace. I, well, I, want, I want the peace to eliminate all the confusion and the chaos and the anxiety. Please, I just need peace. Well, I don't want the Prince. I don't, I don't want him in my life. I just want the results. But see, he comes as kind of a package deal. If we want his peace, we have to allow him into our life, and, and you will love it. He's crazy about you. He really genuinely is. Lots of times, life, it kind of feels like a, a puzzle, and we'll look to, to Jesus. Have you ever put a puzzle together, and, and, and there's some of the parts of the puzzle wasn't there? Well, life is kind of like a puzzle, and you look to Jesus for the missing peace. There's a play on those words, if you know what I'm about. He's the peace that so many people are missing. And he's the one who will complete us if we all allow him to. Greatness is dangerous. Just to want to be great, it's really dangerous because pride raises us up and pride goes before the fall and all that kinds of stuff. But one thing alone can bring happiness here on earth and that is peace within. Peace that's on the inside here and and here. This is different than what's going on in the world around about us. I'm talking about peace within and a, and a heart that knows no guilt. If You don't have peace if you're carrying guilt. And Jesus wants to remove all the guilt so he can give you peace. He'll forgive you. He just, he's just going to forgive you flat out. I know some other people say, well, I'll forgive you if you'll paint my house and mow my grass for 20 years or something or another. But God don't do that. He just wants to forgive you and remove the guilt from you. John chapter 16, 33, Jesus says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. I've told you all so you can have peace in this relationship with me. You can have peace. No more chaos, no more confusion, no more anxiety. You can have peace. And it also includes wholeness of body, soul, and spirit. That's what he's talking about. I've told you these things so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Uh, maybe kind of like what we're going through right now. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. You hang around with Jesus. He didn't overcome this thing. He didn't figure it out. And you stay with him, and you're going to be okay. You know, Peace is not the absence of trouble. I wish all the trouble would just go away. Peace is not the absence of trouble, but peace is the presence of God. And he will go with you no matter what you're going through. He'll go with you through it all. Matthew Henry once said, he said, when Jesus died, he left a will in which he gave his soul to his father. Remember on the cross, he said, Father, I commit my you know, spirit to you and off. He gave his soul to his father, his body to Joseph of Arimathea. Remember Joseph came and, you know, when he took him down and buried him in a, a new tomb. He gave his clothes to the soldiers. Remember, they gambled for his clothes and all that stuff. And he gave his mother to John. Remember when Jesus hanging on the cross and says, John, now this is your mama. Hey, mama, this is your son. He's going to take care of you now since I'm leaving. But to his disciples who had left all to follow him, he left not silver or gold, but something far better. And you'll read it right in the scriptures. He said, unto you, I give my peace. 
Not the kind of peace that the world gives. But I'll give you my peace. Listen to what he says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. May the, may the Lord of peace himself always give you his peace. No matter what happens. No matter if the virus is here, or no, no matter if you're following your husband through the garden and you get poison ivy all over your face, you know. No matter what happens. Now my mom called me two weeks ago one morning and she says, Ronnie, she said, yesterday, there's a man, he pulled up in my driveway in a white pickup truck. I think he had a, a white hard hat on. And she was sitting out on her, her porch. And he grabbed a piece of carpet and he just walked up here on her porch and started telling her about this great deal he has on carpet and she would like to buy some of this carpet. And then he just walked into the house with her sitting on the porch. It got her a little bit nervous. My mom's 88 years old, you know. And she could probably take him out, you know, but uh, she was a little bit nervous. So she followed him into the house and he looked into the living room there and was talking about this. And he says, I have to bring this carpet with me or my boss won't pay me if I don't show it to you. And then he just walked away from her into the, the dining room and it, came, it was out of sight of the living room. And then probably 15, 20 minutes later, after he's trying to sell her this carpet, another lady walks into the dining room who's with this guy who's been in the living room for about 15 minutes by herself, unknown by my mom. And she finally said, I am not interested in any of your carpets. Please leave. Now, them guys didn't know that there's a half a dozen cops live around there, and most of them is my family. For real. And she was pretty shaken when the guy finally left. And then she called my brother, but she was shaking up pretty good. She called him, and he's a retired cop, and he lives 15 miles away. And my nephew, he's a, two of my nephews are retired cop, uh, are active cops. And there's another retired cop, a friend of ours, lives right across the street from my mom. And, well, the list just goes on and on and on. Many of them cops, so if he had breakfast in my mom's home. Anyhow, mom calls Wally, my brother, and, and she asked him how he's doing. They talked for a few minutes, and she never told him. She was so shaken. She couldn't even tell him. She, they hung up. she called him up and said, and by the way, there's this guy coming into my house, and this happened. And Wally said, okay, mom, go into the living room and sit down on the couch. And she said, now, I want you to grab your purse, and I always tell you to keep it hid away in your bedroom, but you don't look in there. Is anything missing? And there was $300 that was missing from her purse. So she was shaken up, you know, and she told me this probably four, maybe five times while I was on the phone with her. She said, Ronnie, I was scared to death, but I had peace. I told her, I said, Mama, I'll make a good sermon one day, you know. She said, I was scared to death because these people in my house against my will, and they robbed me, you know. So, but in the midst of it, I had peace. And she told me that several times, and I called her the next day, and she told me a couple more times. I said, you know what? I, I, was, I was definitely frightened. She had to go to the emergency room the next day because she just couldn't get it off of her mind, you know. They just wanted to make sure something wasn't going wrong with her heart or other parts of her body, and she's 88, and she's doing fine.
But she keeps saying, you know what? I was scared to death, but I had peace. Is it possible to have peace in difficult times? Absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt. And that's what Jesus, he promised to give unto his disciples. He promised to give his peace. You know, I'm going to read that verse once again. May the Lord of peace, 2 Thessalonians 3.16, may the Lord of peace himself always give you his peace. No matter what happens, the Lord be with you all. No matter what happens. Herman Lang, many years ago, 1943, faced an execution. He wrote from his prison cell in Hamburg on July the 11th, personally, I am perfectly calm, facing steadfastly, facing steadfastly what is to come. When one has really achieved complete surrender to the will of God, there is a marvelous feeling of peace and a sense of absolute security. The gift we receive is so unimaginably great that all human joys fail beside it. And there was quite a few ministers of that day who lost their lives for preaching the gospel. And they all would testify leading up to that day. Preaching in communist countries and all is like, there's this overwhelming peace that I have. You know, no matter what happens, no matter what's going on, there's a peace that passes. Is that what the Bible says? Passes all understanding. John 14, 27, Jesus says, he was to his disciples, and that's to you and me too, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. The peace the world gives is temporary. And it's based on circumstances. And he says, I give, the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. You know, the world's peace. That's not the kind of peace that Jesus has given us. Peace with God will bring the peace of God. When we're at peace with God, there's something that moves in. And we have the peace of God that surrounds us and fills us and changes us, you know. Accepting Christ as your Savior, it brings peace with God. Accepting Christ as Lord brings the peace of God. When you accept him as a Savior, well, you rescue me, forgive my sins, I'm going to heaven. When you really receive him as Lord, you're my master in absolute control of every area of my life. I am totally surrendered. Your will be done. That's a higher level of commitment and relationship than just knowing him as Savior. When you really know him as Lord, that's a deal breaker. Jill Briscoe once said, she said, I remember talking to a girl here in this church two, three years ago, and she said, Jill, I've lost my joy and I've lost my peace, and I just want it all back. I just want it back. Now, let me digress a minute. There was a guy one time, he was out in the city, and he was under a street lamp, the light was shining, and he was on his hands and knees, and he was searching all over for a key. And a policeman came up, and he said, what? he said, I'm looking for my key. And he got down on his hands and knees for 10, 15 minutes, helped him look for the key. And he said, are you sure you lost your key right here? And the man said, I didn't lose my key here. I lost my key on the other corner, you know, under that pole. But, but it's dark over there and there's light over here. <laughs> now, do you think he was ever going to find his key on this? Because that's not where he lost it at. Well, anyhow... The story I was telling you about Jill Briscoe, 
she asked the girl, she said, well, where did you lose your peace at? That has nothing to do with this, she replied. Help me get my peace back. But, but where did you lose it? And the girl said, I don't want to talk about that. But eventually she did talk about it. She lost it when she moved in with her boyfriend. And that'll do it. Disobedience to God. God wants you to love people. God wants you to get married. That's all cool. He just wants you to be married before you get involved in all those other kinds of things because he knows how to bless you and he knows what complicates things. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 says, and let, let, because you cannot let, you can, you can resist, but he says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule. Allow the peace that comes from Christ, allow it to rule, allow it to control your life. That's what he's saying here. Let it, because you can go, nope, you're not going to control my life. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, that's talking about the church, you're all called to live in peace and always be thankful. You know, the key to developing peace in our relationships is to have peace within our own selves. If, if you don't have peace in your own self, you ain't going to be peaceful with those around you. You know, you're going to be a little bit ornery. Proverbs 16, 7 says, when the ways of people please the Lord, the Lord, he makes even their enemies live at peace with them. So when, we, when we're living in a way that pleases God, even the bad guys are going to get along with us really good. That's, that's what the Bible says. When the ways of people please the Lord, he makes even their enemies live at peace with him. I've never met a happy critic. Are you always criticizing things? Are you criticizing the fact that my little shield here is just a little bit off center? You know, it's like, are you a very critical person? Never met a happy critic. I've never met a gossip who was full of joy of the Lord. It comes down to this. People who constantly stir up tension in relationships do it because they have no peace within themselves. And people who do have peace have no desire to stir things up, you know. Peace rules the heart. Peace rules the day when Christ rules the heart. Peace rules the day when Christ rules the heart. Does he rule your heart? We've talked about this before. N-O, no Christ, no peace. Then the K-N-O-W, no Christ, K-N-O-W, no peace. You'll, you'll, you'll know it. The peace that we're so desperately looking for, it comes from a relationship in Christ. A ship was wrecked in a furious storm and the only survivor was a little boy who was swept by the waves onto a rock. He sat there all night long until the next morning and he was spotted and rescued. Did you tremble while you were on the rock during the night? Someone later asked the little boy. Yes, said the little boy. I trembled all night long, but the rock didn't tremble. I'm thinking, wow, what a powerful statement is that. The rock didn't tremble. Although he was trembling because he was frightened, the rock didn't move. It didn't, it didn't tremble at all. It says in Psalm 61, verse 2, from the ends of the earth, I cry to you for help. And when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the towering rock of safety. 
Lead me to the towering rock of safety, for you are a safe refuge, a fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. Let me live forever in your sanctuary, safe beneath the shelter of your wings. There's a song that Susan was telling me about. She had heard it somewhere, and it goes like this. Every anxious thought that steals my breath is a heavy weight upon my chest. As I lie awake and wonder what the future will hold, help me to remember that you're in control. The chorus says, you're my courage when I worry in the dead of night. You're my strength because I'm not strong enough to win this fight. You're greater than the battle raging in my mind. I will trust you, Lord. I will fear no more. I will lift my eyes. I will lift my cares. Lay them in your hands. I'll leave them there. And this was a real little line, the little uh, quote here in the middle of the song. It's really kind of captivating. It says, when the wind and waves are coming, you shelter me. Even though I'm in the storm, the storm is not in me. Storm's not in me. Storm may be all around, but it ain't going to get in me because Christ is there. And that's where our peace comes from. It comes to our relationship with Christ, genuinely. Romans chapter 16, verse 20, it says, the God of peace, the God of peace will soon, what's that next word? The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. God's going to crush Satan under your feet. That's, that's what he says here. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Grace is God's enabling power. May the grace, God's enabling power be with you. Philippians 4, chapter 4, verse 6. Now, I probably read this verse and quote this verse probably a half a dozen times every day of my life. Anybody I talk to, they need to hear this verse. I need to hear this verse. We need to hear this verse. We share it with each other. It's something we remind each other lots of times about. And it's in uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, and you probably all can quote it also, because we sure can, but it says, don't worry about anything. What percentage is anything? 100%. So is there anything you should worry about? Out of 100% of the things you can... No, there's not 1% that you can worry about. Don't worry about anything. Although we're inclined to worry at times because things stir us up a little bit. Instead, God tells us what to do. Instead, pray about everything. What percentage is everything? 100%. He says, don't worry about nothing on this planet. But pray about everything on this planet. Anything that concerns you even a teeny tiny bit, pray about it. And I'm going to tell you, it'll change. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And if you don't pray, you will worry. That's just the way it is. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Now, you, can you possibly thank him for everything he's done? Have you, thought, have you thanked him today that you had the ability to breathe? Oh, I forgot that. Or that you could hear, that you could see, or you could smell, or you could tell. 
There's so much we got to thank God for that he's taking care of us in so many areas of our life. Me and my mom, we talked about, there's so much she is thankful for. The people stole 300 bucks from her. Maybe if they hadn't found her 300 bucks, they might have tried to harm her to find something of value. We don't know. But I know what, if they ever show their face within 100 miles of her house, they in a whole lot of trouble. I got Marines who's looking out for them people too. Four hours away. But I'm going to tell you somebody who loves my mom even more than those law enforcement who are family and those military who are family and her pastor son who is family who will give them a run for their money too. But God loves her more than we do. And he's taken care of her for 88 years and he'll continue to take care of her until he wants to see her face to face. Isn't that comforting to us all to know that God loves us in such all amazing ways? So don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And then thank him for all he's done. And if you do this, if you do this, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. If you do this, you will experience, experience, not just here, but you will personally experience God's peace. If you don't do this, you're going to, you know, you won't experience his peace. If you don't pray about it and tell him what you need and thank him for all that. If you don't do those things, well, you're not in, you know. And then he says, if you do this, you'll experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. I don't know if you can even understand what I just read there. He said here, if, if you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. Imagine going to a, a primitive tribe of people who've never, ever seen a, 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 a civilized person. They lived in a jungle, never saw an automobile or electricity or nothing. And you went over there and you tried to describe to them an airplane. <coughs> <coughs> You want me to get inside of a bird, big bird. You want him to eat me and then fly in the air with me in his tummy. They don't understand it, you see. <coughs> but if you had an airplane <coughs> and could walk out there and say, here, experience this. Here's the door. We're sitting in this. See here? See, we can just take off and we can fly and we'll come right back. There's lots of things that's a lot better to experience it than to explain it. And I'm trying to explain to you this piece that I'm not quite sure that you're really grasping, but you can experience it for yourself. And it's life-changing. I'm telling you, it's life-changing. Let me read one more time. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. It's hard to understand it, but you can experience it for yourself. Far more wonderful than the human mind can understand His peace his peace will guard as a soldier that has been stationed to challenge all comers to prevent a surprise attack. We got, we got soldiers, we got military, we got, they're all on guard to protect you. And that's what peace does for you. He says here, if you'll do this, you'll experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. And his peace, God's peace will guard you. Guard your hearts and guard your mind 
as you live in Christ Jesus, guard you. Does your, your mind ever get bombarded with things it ought not to be thinking about? And, and your heart and the enemy of our soul comes against us. But the Bible says the peace of Almighty God is always active duty. It's guarding your heart and your mind. That's what he tells us through Christ Jesus. Psalms 4 verse 8 says, I will lie down in peace and I'm going to sleep. For you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. I will lay down in peace. And I'm going to sleep because you, O Lord, alone, you're going to keep me safe. That's what he promises to do. And over here where we were just now reading in Philippians 6, uh, chapter 4, let's read verse 8. It says, and now, dear friends, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. Fix your thoughts. Have you ever had your thoughts got broken? That ain't the kind of fix he's talking about, but it relates also, okay? We've got to fix our thoughts because our thoughts are not always the way they ought to be. But he says, and now, dear friends, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what's true. Devil's always trying to get us to think about things that ain't true. Fix your thoughts on what's true and honorable and right and, and think about things that are pure. There's a lot of impure things on the internet and on television. There's books and all kinds of impure things the devil wants us to think about. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable and think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He said, fix your thoughts. Now, let me see here. Now, can we sweep that nail off the ground here? That and, and sweep it off on the floor and sweep it outside? The answer to that question is yes. Okay. Yes! Oh, wow! But I'm going to fix it. You think you can sweep that nail off there now? It is fixed. It is permanent. Unchangeable right now. If you're going to try to sweep it off with the broom. And, and this one too. Just to make sure. I, I did that on purpose. Okay. You ain't going to move it very easily. I promise you that. Okay? So when it says fix your thoughts, fix your thoughts just like that. Fix your thoughts. Attach them, you know, unchangeable. They're permanent. Fix them on what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 26, verse 3. And we're, we're about done. He says, you will keep, almighty God, you will keep in perfect peace. Great, wonderful peace. You will keep in, in perfect peace 
All, 100%, all who trust in you. God's going to keep you in perfect peace, all who trust in you, whose thoughts are, what's that say? Fixed. Fixed. You understand fixed? Now, those are hard to see, aren't they? So I got to explain it better. That's fixed. You understand? And it's very sharp, so it went deep. It's fixed. And he says right here, you, oh God, you will do this. You will keep in perfect peace all, all who trust in you. I trust in him. You trust in him. You trust in him. You trust, you, you trust in him. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. My heart's fixed on God. Devil's trying to go, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? Hey, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, my, my mind is fixed on what God says. I ain't want to listen to the devil because my mind is fixed. I ain't going to move. I'm talking about being steadfast, unmovable. He says, you keep in perfect peace. You do this, almighty God. You keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. You, you obtain peace through faith. All those who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed, permanent, unchanging, whose thoughts are fixed on you. One more verse. Going back to where I was at in Philippians chapter 4, let me just read verse 9. Oh, I might have one little verse after that, but just this one. Philippians 4, 9, it says, keep practicing, keep putting into practice all that you learn. And you know, that's what we was reading about a while ago when he says, you know, don't worry about all these kinds of things and all. And he says, you know, you think about these kinds of things, the good and the pure and the lovely and the honest and, and all those things. And then he says here, keep putting into practice. Keep putting it into practice. All that you learned from me, the apostle. Keep putting it into practice. Apply what you're learning. Keep putting into practice all you learned from me and you heard from me and you saw me doing and the God of peace will be with you. Keep just doing what God's word says. You know, fix your thoughts on him and his word. Fix your thoughts. You know, anybody think they can come over here to their fingers and pull that out of here? No, sirree. Woohoo! I'm going to get a, another hammer to get that thing out of there. Fix your thoughts is what he's telling us. Put into practice all that you've learned from me and heard from me and saw me doing and the God of peace will be with you. Yes, the God of peace, not just peace he sends and says, well, enjoy that. He says, I'm here and I brought peace with me. The God of peace will be there with you. You will never be alone. No matter what difficult times or troubled times you go through, you will not be alone. And I'll, I'll tell you through this coronavirus, Susan hadn't been doing too much going up on the mountain with me, up to the, the lower parts of the bottom of the mountain. But you know what? She goes all the way up anywhere on the mountain, day or night, don't make no difference no more. Is that true? We're going to go up here again tonight? 
I'm telling you, when you know God, it's just like, you know, I don't have anything to worry about. Because God's revealing himself and you're fixing your thoughts on him. And when you're going up on a mountain to pray and to study and to seek his face, he's going to take care of you. You know that, right? He's going to take care of you no matter what's going on in this world around about us. He's going to take care of you. He's going to give you your peace. His peace that passes all understanding. Okay, final scripture. Romans 8, 6 says, If your sinful nature controls your mind, there's death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there's life and peace. And you cannot have the peace of God until you know the God of peace. So we're all tempted to have sinful thoughts, but we want to have the thoughts that the Holy Spirit brings to us. And he'll bring godly thoughts and he'll bring God's word back to us and we'll think on those things and faith will rise up inside of us and we'll move into that, that peace. And you got to understand, peace is not wimpy. Peace is a guard. Peace is a warrior that will guard your heart and your mind. Peace is a warrior. You understand that? You can start messing... Somebody starts messing with you, thoughts and all peace comes out and goes, okay, let's go for it, man. And I'm going to tell you, the peace of Almighty God will whip the enemy every time. You know that, right? He said, well, peace sounds really passive and wimpy. Not the peace of God. Because you can say, you want a piece of me? <laughs> Almighty God's going to take care of you. There's so much more. This is the tip of the iceberg about the peace of God. But he's a warrior. He's going to take care of you. And you can't have the peace of God without having the God of peace. So maybe here today, it's time to reaffirm our faith in the God of peace. So I want peace. But you can't have it without God. Okay, I want God, the God of peace. And God comes and he brings his peace with him. And it changes and it protects us. And it guards our heart and it guards our mind. It guards everything that's relevant to us. So I want you to pray with me right now as we reaffirm our faith in Christ. And maybe some of you, and maybe some of you guys who's watching online want to declare your faith for the very first time. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. And I believe you're always going to take care of me. And I believe that's why you sent your son, Jesus. I believe he gave his life for me. He who is the prince of peace. And I believe that he rose from the dead on the third day. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide my heart. And I receive Jesus as my savior, as my Lord. And is my soon coming king. Thank you for loving me. And for forgiving me. And for giving me your peace. In Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Now right now. Just to abide by all the rules. That we're trying to abide by. And figure out which ones are really important. We're not going to just come out there and just lay hands on you, as the Bible says. But we learned in the Bible people could pray for people who lived in other states or other parts of the world. And God would answer the prayers. Did you know that? So if you have a need, 
right now, and you don't even have to tell me what it is. You can do one of two things. You can either raise your hand or you can stand up just for a moment, and then we're going to pray for you all right now before we dismiss. So if you've got a need, stand up. Thank you. Thank you. Whoever has a need, and if I can get my bride to come up here and join me, but you got to stay six feet away. The Bible says a merry heart does us good like a medicine. It really does. So. You have poison ivy on my hand. Okay. I ain't afraid of your poison ivy. Oh, Papa God, we come before you in the name of your son, Jesus. And you see the men and women who are standing, whose hands are raised in this room. And you know every need that they have for every detail that's going on in their lives right now. Yes. And we join our faith with all our other brothers and sisters in this room. Yes. We join our faith and we ask you for a miracle for each and every one. Yes. Reveal yourself strongly to these, almighty God. And meet their finita in such a minute, detailed way that they know that the living God came through and, yes. and worked a miracle in their lives. Yes. Meet their needs, almighty God, body, soul, and spirit relational, Father, and everything that is possible to be going on in their life, we ask that you would just turn it all around and work it together for good. Yes. Father, bless them indeed. Bless them indeed and expand the borders of their territory, of their influence. May my brothers and sisters feel your presence upon them, upon their bodies as they leave this place and as they go home. May they know that they are not alone, but you are with them, almighty God. Meet them, O oh Father. May they sense your presence leading and guiding and granting them the wisdom that they need for decisions day by day. Watch over their loved ones. Watch over their friends and their family. And may the light shine ever so brightly in their lives. Minister to each and every one of my brothers and sisters everything, even if it's something we've not prayed specifically for, we ask you for a creative miracle that perfectly meets their needs right now. And all of God's children who agree with that prayer right now says amen, amen. and amen.